Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show. It's always uh, so wonderful to have you with us. I do want to say, although this show definitely is evergreen, and so you can listen at any time, I do want to let you know that right now we are going through a pandemic in April of 2020, and it's global. And so whenever I have a guest on, we do relate what we're talking about to the pandemic because so many of us are in um, isolation, we're in social distancing, physical distancing. So we will uh, bring part of that in. And today is is a good example. I have on an amazing person that I've known since high school. His name is Stephen Lawrence Kramer, and he is an international and well-known conductor and pianist. And Stephen lives in Rome, so he's really he really knows what this pandemic is firsthand. So let me tell you about Stephen. Stephen Lawrence Kramer is a conductor and a pianist. He was born in Cambridge, Mass. He studied piano, composition, viola, and conducting in Vienna. He then went on to conduct and continue his conducting studies with the Master's Arts Master Artists in Vienna, Hanover, Paris, and Munich. He has gone to Korea 33 times to conduct multiple concerts, and he's conducted series of TV concerts, numerous recitals, master classes for conductors and singers and pianists, and as I said, an amazing person. Hello, Stephen. Hi, Patricia. Great to have you on. I want to tell the audience that I met you in high school, which was several, <laughs> several decades ago. And yeah, I well, was we very, went to high school together. That's right. I was, um, I was a, a singer. I still am right. a little bit. I use my voice now on the radio, but I was a singer, and Stephen was in the choir with me, and we had a very, very progressive choir teacher. In those days, and I'm going back into the 70s and 80s and even before that, we were going to New York and recording, recording performances I mean, this was like one of the first in the country, and he was really ahead of his time. He was quite a taskmaster, but Stephen was in that with me, and um, we'll never Stanley. forget it. Yep, Bill Stanley, and he passed recently. But and you yeah, went on to become, you used all that musical talent and went on to become a conductor. Yep. <laughs> wow. Well, and then, you know, like, you know on my visiting card, it says musician. You know, yeah. I feel like have gun will travel, you know. I mean, whatever people need, if they need a conductor, if they need a teacher, if they need a master class, if they need a pianist, whatever they need. Uh, I even play the viola now and then in concerts if they need one. Mm-hmm. Now, you have been living in Rome for how, for several, how many years? About, I arrived here, as a matter of fact, it must be about this exact day. I think I arrived on April 28th or 29th, 1988. Wow. So it's, what, 40, 40 no, no, years? No, 30, 30, 32 years. Wow. How did you get to Rome and how did you get to move there? I mean, we know how Rome is, you know, one of the musical capitals of the world. I in Europe. I mean, uh, I left the States for the last time in 1980 <clears throat> and I got a job in the Opera House in Salzburg as a conductor. Mm. And then I spent two years at the theater in Linz as a conductor and then I went 
to, and I also taught at the Mozarteum in Salzburg. Then I went to Munich to teach at the Richard Strauss Conservatory, so I was already in Europe. Uh, and then in 1987, if you want to hear an interesting story, uh, at the uh, Strauss Conservatory, a colleague of mine, a tenor, uh, uh, wanted to give a concert of all Wagner arias. Mm. So I was the pianist, and it was in the springtime. And to give him a rest after this, you know, some of this heavy pieces, I did my played my own arrangements of Wagner orchestra pieces, like the Ride of the Valkyries and the Siegfried's Rhine Journey, Siegfried's Funeral March. So somebody recorded this, <clears throat> and after the concert. Uh, they say, why don't you send this tape to Bayreuth? Mm. So I sent the tape to Bayreuth, and two weeks later I get a call from Wolfgang Wagner's secretary mm. saying that they're looking for a musical assistant for the late Spiros Argiris in Spoleto mm. for the uh, the production of Parsifal that uh, Giancarlo Menotti, Menotti was directing. So on the basis of that uh, recording, I went to, I met Wolfgang Wagner, I went to uh, Spoleto, and in Spoleto, one of the singers in Parsifal is who now is my wife. Now I want to ask you, when you said, when you said, wow, so that's how you got to Rome. When you said Wagner, is that a descendant of Wagner? Yes, his grandson, of course. Mm -hmm. Mm. Hmm. Wagner had a son, Siegfried, who also became a composer. And Siegfried had two sons, Wieland and Wolfgang. Wieland mm-hmm. died relatively early, but he was like the, the, the guiding light. He was famous for uh, modern uh, stage direction of the Wagner operas. He became very famous. About and Wolfgang was sort of, you know the second in command, but he was a really very nice guy. I mean, he must be dead a long time now. You know, I I have to tell you, speaking of, I have to tell you, speaking of famous people with, you know, with children and grandchildren, I sent this to you. I don't know if you could open the second one. I couldn't open the second time either. Well, Pavarotti's granddaughter who I guess is 11 or older than that now, it really, mm-hmm. her voice is amazing. And someone had sent me through, uh, on YouTube, this amazing video of her singing uh, with the orchestra. Oh. And I don't remember the name of the piece. Of course, you would know it immediately. But it, 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 it's, almost, it's almost scary. I mean, it's like his voice is in her. I mean, it, yeah. the voice at age 11 on this young woman, uh, young girl, mm. Is, yeah. is just spectacular. So I couldn't find it on YouTube to send it to you, but, um, but it is out there. It's an amazing, amazing piece. Okay. You can't, you can't remember what the piece is? No, I, I don't. I mean, I know the sound, but it didn't but say it sound? when I got Maybe the video. Maybe a little few notes of the melody. I recognize it. Okay. I'll have to go back and do that. <laughs> okay. I'll go back and do that. Or what I'll do is during the break, I'll play it for you because okay. I probably okay. can do that. So, right. um, yes. So it, it's amazing how we inherit. I mean, it's really in the genes, Stephen. Yeah, that's true. My daughter is now in conservatory studying singing. And uh, my first son is a fabulous cellist. Hmm. And my that's third son is a guitarist and guitar teacher for 
first it was classical guitar, but then he's opted for, uh, he plays in a band called Soul Tango. They do like 60s, I mean, older stuff. Yeah. Uh, only my second son became an electrician. But mm. that's okay. He'll support us all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In demand and steady. <laughs> You're right, exactly. Yeah, 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 very much so. You know, we have a few minutes before break. Tell us what mm-hmm. um, what has compelled you to be, I mean, obviously this is your passion and your life's blood, and I understand that because I love my work too, but what is it? What is it that drives you? What is it you love so much, Stephen? You've been doing this your whole life. Listen, before I was born, my my father said to my mother when she was pregnant with me, I'm the first of seven children, by the way. Mm. Uh, he said to her, I only hope two things, that it's a boy and he's musical. Really? So, I mean, right from the beginning, my father used to tell me I could tell the difference between Haydn and Mozart when I was three. I mean, I don't wow. know if those are apocryphal, but music's been always just my whole life. I call myself yeah. a one-trick pony sometimes. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know. It's, um, I don't know where it and, comes from. I but, mean, you know, uh, I don't know if you've read the research. In fact, I sent this to you. There's research that says that um, often rec- uh, occupations that live the longest, one of them is a conductor. Because uh, yes, I saw the title, but I never got it. I never read it. Yeah, it's uh, how conductors uh, often outlive a lot of other people, and they're healthy because they just... They just, they're sur- I mean, you're surrounded by beautiful music all the time. <laughs> right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now you're still, you're doing conducting now in Rome in different parts of the world. Well, right now you're probably not because of the, of oh, the I'm virus. I'm sitting at home. <laughs> yeah. How has the coronavirus affected you and your family? I mean, you're a little bit ahead of us uh, in terms of when you got it. We, it hasn't affected at all. It was all in the north of Italy, and I was actually pretty lucky because in November, I spent two weeks in Korea. Then I came back to Rome for one week because I had to accompany some exams at the conservatory, and then I took off again for two weeks in China, in Shanghai. And I, you know, just got back, you know, after there were some, you know, just talk about this outbreak. Then in the middle of February, I had to go to Milan to do a master class for nine days. Mm-hmm. And when I came back to Rome on the 19th, that's when the breakout came in the north of Italy. So I was just ahead of it. Wow. But, uh, you know, here in Rome, you know, we don't hear anything. I mean, people walk around with masks and people line up at the drugstores and the grocery stores. But... Uh, you know, we're just sitting in the house, and we don't, uh, that's the only way it's affected us. There's no school, there's no conservatory, there's no uh, going out, there's no students coming. You know, obviously it's affected us that way. But I'm Mm -hmm. getting a lot of practicing done, a lot of studying done. I've started studying, again, three languages. Mm. You know, they have those uh, uh, online language yes. courses. So I, on Duolingo, I'm studying Czech, which I always wanted to do because I'm a, you know, a, very into Czech music, Smetanet, Dvorak, Janacek. And uh, I'm going doing Russian again on Babel for the same reason, because I work, you know, a lot with Russian music. 
And to keep up my Korean, I mean, I've been going to Korea for 26 years now. So, now, what uh, languages do you speak, Stephen? You speak Italian, of course. I speak Italian. I speak German. I speak mm. English. Uh, I used to speak very well French because I studied also in Paris. But once I came to Italy, the similarities are so that I think if I went, I would have to, you know, be in France for two weeks and it would start slipping out of my mouth again. Yeah. No. Amazing, amazing. I mean, of All course, right, I can read it, and uh, if, yeah. if I'm coaching yeah. singers in uh, yeah. in French, I can translate the songs and you know, help with the pronunciation. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are talking to Stephen Lawrence Kramer, who's a conductor and a pianist. He was born in Cambridge, Mass. I went to high school with him. Uh, he has studied piano and composition. He has gone to Korea 33 times. He has conducted all over the world. He has done master classes for conductors and singers and pianists, and has really, music has been part of his whole life. So when we come back, we're going to play a clip from one of the, we're going to play a few clips today, but you'll hear some things that he has conducted, and he'll explain them as well. So again, my guest is Stephen Lawrence, Stephen Lawrence Kramer, and if you want to listen to some of the music that he has conducted, you can go to YouTube and just look him up, but you have to look up Stephen with P-H, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, and Lawrence, L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E, Kramer, and uh, his pieces will come up. All right, folks, you're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input, too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you looking for a fun yet informative program about health care for your pet? Check out Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. They look into natural health alternatives for ourselves, so why not our pets? This program provides the most up-to-date, accurate, and innovative information about traditional and holistic veterinary medicine. You'll find a ton of answers regarding your pet's health every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back, and I'm so happy to have on with me for the whole hour uh, a childhood friend from high school, Stephen Lawrence Kramer, who is a conductor and a pianist, and he is has traveled all over the world. He uh, does concerts in Vienna, Hanover, Paris, and Munich. He's gone to Korea 33 times. He lives in Rome. And he's conducted multiple concerts, TV concerts and recitals and master classes for conductors and singers and pianists, and has been doing this for many decades. You can look him up on YouTube. Go to Stephen Lawrence Kramer, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E, and that's Kramer, K-R-A-M-E-R. So we'll spell it again later. Welcome back, Stephen. Hi. All right. We're going to play. I don't know what we're playing. We have three pieces. So Matt's just going to play something and you'll tell us. So we're going to play 30 (laughs) seconds and then you can explain it to us. All right. Go ahead, Matt. Okay. Okay, Stephen, give us the backstory. And okay, that is it? the third movement of the Rachmaninoff cello sonata. And it's a concert that I did with my son, who is now, believe it or not, 51 years old. Wow. But this, <laughs> this concert was maybe 15 years ago at the University of Georgia. Uh, the whole recital is on YouTube. We did the uh, Kodai sonata and the Beethoven last sonata, opus uh, 102, number two and uh, the Rachmaninoff Sonata, and the wonderful uh, variations on a Slovak song, which was one of the last pieces by Bohuslav Martinu, wonderful mm-hmm. Czech composer. What was it like playing with your son? Well, it was, you know, after a long time. Well, we, you know, we played together all his life. I played his graduation recital. I went to, he graduated, he studied with Bernard Greenhouse at Rutgers, so I went to Rutgers in about 1990, 1991, played his graduate recital, and of course, all the time he was, he was growing up, we were playing together, and uh, uh, when I went to uh, Salzburg, obviously he came with me, and he found a cello teacher there, so we were playing together all the time, so, you know. And he grew up with uh, I don't know. I can't say it was any different than if I had been playing with any other cellist. I mean, once you, uh, you know, get into a situation, it's, you know, just the two of you. You don't think, yeah. well, he's my son anymore. Right, exactly, exactly. No. What, um, why did you pick this piece, the Rachmaninoff piece, for us to play? What was that? Why did you select that one? Well, I didn't. Uh, oh, because we've got a lot of comments about that that slow movement. 
on YouTube. A lot of positive comments, and uh, you know, it shows my son also in a very good light. You know, just the singing and the the sound, and it's a very, very beautiful, romantic piece. All right, now I have an interesting question, Stephen. It's it's going to seem very elementary, but you know, when you look at a conductor, you know, when you're watching them wave the arms, and I often mm-hmm. wonder, you know, is everybody watching you? How do you? What, what what would be the difference? Here's my question: What would be the difference if you didn't conduct? And you just let them play without you. Tell, tell look, me the difference. Look, a great orchestra can do it. Really? You know, you can go on YouTube and see Bernstein conducting something. And all of a sudden, he just puts his hands down and lets the Vienna Philharmonic play alone. Wow. Uh, you know, a great orchestra doesn't need you to play the notes. Right. What a great conductor does is... That extra something, that extra inspiration, the extra uh, something that goes beyond the notes. Um, But, you know, if it's a good orchestra, you give the downbeat, you could just stand there and they would play. Because, you know, as I tell my students, there are three phases uh, in conducting. The long, you know, like a pyramid. So the base of the pyramid is the study you do at home. You've got mm-hmm. to study the score. You have to know the form. You have to know what instruments are playing. You have to, you know, you have to know it. So that's the base of the pyramid. And then come the rehearsals. And, uh, you know, the more you have studied at the base of the pyramid, the better the rehearsals will go. Now, all of this goes to prepare the top of the pyramid, which is the concert, which can last you know, maybe two hours, whereas 20 hours you've been studying and maybe 10 hours you've been rehearsing, and then you have the concert. Um, the better the concert has been studied and prepared, the better the concert will be, and in a certain sense, they can play without you. But the conductor is also there for the audience. The yes, audience but, 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 is watching. When you turn toward the celli, for instance, the right. audience will hear better that the cellos are making an entrance. And if he gives a sign to the oboe, it shows also the audience, the, the people who are listening, that this is something to listen for. So it's a, it's a dual proposition. I never thought of it that way. I often thought, though, I mean, because many times, sometimes the conductor will, you know, look at one group and as though they want them to be louder or tells the other group to be softer. So you are nuancing. I mean, you are, you are affecting are the way the sound. Of course, a lot of things have to do with the acoustics of the hall. And, you know, one thing that every young conductor learns is that the worst place acoustically to be is up on the podium in front of the orchestra. You have to really get used to the, the sound. It's, you know, it's all mm-hmm. sort of blends together. It's, it's acoustically not the best place to be standing. <laughs> but that's where you are uh, always. Yes, exactly. You are. I mean, you get used to it after a while. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I went to the conducting school, to the monteur school, and, you know, the first time I got up in front of the orchestra, the first thing the, the, the maestro said was, Sounds strange, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, isn't that interesting? So, but but yes, you know, uh, the conductor has to be always uh, listening. 
if he hears that a certain group is too loud and another group is not coming out, yes, he will put his hand up to the, the double basses, for instance, you're too loud, and tell the violins to play more. Yeah, I mean, that, that's always going on. Mm-hmm. Always going on. I mean, you can see the clip that I did of the, the, uh, the beginning of the Overture to Marriage of Figaro. That's exactly what I'm doing. Yes, yes. I think we're going to play some. I think, I think we have a clip for that. We're going to play that in the next segment. Now, Stephen, okay, do, you have, course, you, I, do you have a favorite instrument? Do you have a favorite <laughs> instrument? I know that's like asking if you have a favorite child. But do you, do you have a favorite instrument? A fav- my favorite instrument is the piano because the piano can do anything. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do play the viola. I played the bassoon in high school. I played the sousaphone all through high school in the marching bands. Uh, so, you know, I have played various instruments, but the piano is uh, where my heart is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you get over the, like, you know, like uh, my first piano teacher said, the piano is made of wood and felt, and strings, and plastic, and ivory, and you have to take all of that away. Hmm. And then the piano becomes an orchestra. If You can imitate any sound. You can, uh, I don't know. I just think it's the, it's the king of instruments for me. Yeah, I love the piano, too. I love piano music. I, lo- yeah. I mean, I can I could listen many times when I'm exercising or I'm walking. I will listen to very quiet piano music. It's very soothing to me, very healing. Well, this is very funny because I don't like to listen to piano music. I Isn't like to play piano music. If I'm going to listen, I'd rather listen to a string quartet, for instance. Yeah, I like that too. And chamber Relaxes music. Relaxes me. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, so we have a couple of minutes before break, and when we come back, we're definitely going to talk, but we're going to play some other pieces and have you share them okay. with us. But do you, um, are you teaching still? Do you teach master classes? Can you do anything yes, online? that's what I was doing. I was conducting and giving master classes in Korea. And in Shanghai, I was giving master classes. And in Milan, I was giving master classes. Yes, of course. Can you but do now anything I'm not online? Doing anything. Can you do anything with the, you know, on Zoom or online or no? Well, I'm doing, yes, because uh, I teach at the conservatory in Terni, which is like uh, an hour or so north of Rome. And, uh, you know, we do things online. Um, as a matter of fact, we're having our first lesson tomorrow. I had That's to great. record all of the, you know, it's an opera class, so I had to record all of the, accompaniments for the scenes that they're doing and then tomorrow we're going to have the first uh, rehearsal and see how it works and then we're going to try to see if there's some way uh, that it could be live that they wouldn't have to sing on a on a, a playback right. because if you try to do it live there's always a delay yes yeah we were talking about that this morning in a meeting all right we're going to take right. a quick break and when we come back we're going to be back okay. with conductor and, uh, and and composer, you also compose, right? Nah, I composed when I was in high school, and I realized that my true calling in music was as a recreative artist. Yes, so you're a conductor and early. pianist. Yes, and you've um, you've conducted all over the world. Stay mm-hmm. tuned, folks. We'll be right back with Stephen Lawrence Kramer. He is in Rome speaking to us, and we're going to play another piece that he was that he conducted. 
You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you are a pet owner, you know there's a special connection between us and our pets. They are part of the family. The owners of special breeds also understand the important roles they play. Tune in for Greyhounds Make Great Pets to find out more about one special breed. Hosted by Rory and Kathy Goray, along with TJ Beter, we'll focus on greyhounds, but we'll also cover topics that apply to any pet owner, like animal welfare issues, racing, and more. Listen live Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. I'm so happy to have with us Stephen Lawrence Kramer, who is an amazing conductor and pianist. He lives in Rome, Italy, uh, where they're right now they're going through the coronavirus. He has studied and practiced all over the world, including Vienna, Hanover, Paris, Munich. He's gone to Korea 30, 33 times. He's conducted... 35 as, now. 30, okay. All right. That was the old resume. Right, and conducted series of concerts on television and recitals and master classes. And I uh, went to high school with Stephen. We were in the choral group. What did we call that? Choir, something, jazz choir, right? We called it the jazz chorus. Uh, well, we did the pops and jazz. Right. It was, and as I said, we went to New York City in those days. I'm going back right. in the 70s now and went and recorded and no, had an album. No, Patricia, you're going back to the 60s. I know. I knew that, Stephen. I was just, we I was just adding on a decade. 
I know. We're giving away oh, our age here. Did I say here. something I shouldn't have? No, no. It's okay. We're still so young at heart. It doesn't <laughs> okay, matter. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. But it was um, so, you know, Stephen and I were very good friends growing up. And uh, he remembers things in high school I don't. But I do. <laughs> um, we just, we, it was, it was ama- an amazing experience. And music was so much part of both of our lives. And, it really um, was. Yeah, and still is. All right, we're going to play another piece that you conducted. We're going to play 30 seconds, and then you're going to explain it. All right, Matt, we're on. I just love Mozart, so I'm dancing yeah, here. <laughs> oh, so that, of you know, course, I... is the origin of the Marriage of Figaro, uh, which I conducted in Moscow three years ago in the summer of 2017. Yeah, I want to ask you what it is about Mozart. I don't know what it. What is it? What makes him stand out so much? There's just nothing like his music. What is it, Stephen? Well, he doesn't stand out for uh, most people, you know. Uh, I think he probably, for most people, stands out the wrong way. You know, you know, pretty sounds. But I'll tell you a funny story. When I was, uh, I must have been in my early 20s, I decided to clean my ears out. Oh. So for about a month, I refused to listen to anything after Mozart. And wow. all of a sudden, you know, the scales fell away from my ears, and I started to hear things, and I started to hear what he was able to express with the relatively limited harmonic vocabulary of pre-romantic music. Mm. And uh, he has a depth, and, uh, you know, I always say Mozart and Schubert were the only two who looked into the abyss. You know, Beethoven yeah. was always too positive. He had to finish well somehow. You know, no matter how the, bad the suffering was and the tragedies, he managed to, you know, hold up his fist and, you know, uh, finish positively. But Schubert and Mozart really uh, looked into the tragedy of life. And, uh, I mean, but also everything he touched is beautiful. Mm, you know, I know, you know, he didn't uh, have to express pain and misery and uh, violence with violent means. Of course, that has a lot to do with the vocabulary that he had at his disposal, but it's all there. And he wrote in every conceivable form, opera, chamber music, concerto, oratorio, everything. There's everything in Mozart and it's just obvious that he was divinely inspired. You know, mm, if you look at his manuscript without a correction. I agree. You know, I want you know, to share this with you. He has the whole thing in his head. He's just copying it down. Right. I just want to share this with you. There is um, he, this man, actually, he passed. His name was Don Campbell. And I don't know if you mm-hmm. knew his work, but he wrote a book called The Mozart Effect. 
And it oh. was all about how how the the des- the way that this he structured the music, like the so many decibels per second, like would appeal to autistic children, you know, children with depression. I mean, it just really was so healing for people. And it was like my answer to why I felt so soothed by this music. But there's a whole book on it. It's called The Mozart Effect. And then there's one called The Mozart Effect for Children. Uh, it sounds a little bit, well, I mean, of course, I'm a musician, I'm not a scientist, but it sounds a little bit more cerebral than what I would say. Right. But, I mean, you know, talking about decibels and, talk, and things like that. Uh, I would yeah. talk about harmony, and I would talk about melody, and I would talk about colors, and I would talk about, uh, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and, musical and you know things, what, because I'm not a scientist, but if, if I were writing a book on the Mozart effect, I would write it probably in a different language. Interesting. But it's so interesting. would be interested to go into. Yeah, I'll have to send you the link to that. But, yeah. you know, the other thing is comparing him, like, to Beethoven. I mean, I listened to Beethoven's fifth. Beethoven mm-hmm. was just, I mean, it was so powerful, but he was heavier. It's a heavier music. Do you feel that? Yes. yes. But he's also the next generation. Okay. You know, he's, uh, he's 14 years younger than Mozart. So, uh, but you know, but also his character. You know, that was his character. He was a rebel. Uh, but he, he also had a hearing loss. Rig, for instance, and Mozart always did. But he had a hearing loss. Didn't he have a hearing loss, Beethoven? But yes, of course. But this happened uh, in about eighteen oh one or so. He started to he started to lose his hearing. He started mm. to lose, and it got progressively worse and worse and worse. And by the time. Uh, well, he died in 1827, so in, in, by 1825, he was totally deaf, even mm. before that. And the work and he, he wrote composing. when he was totally deaf were the Mrs. Solemnis, the Ninth Symphony, the last mm. five quartets, wow. uh, which are, you know, masterpieces, uh, you know, they're comparable to uh, sculptures of Michelangelo. Mm. So uh, the hearing loss did not affect his ability to be able to produce the music. No. Isn't that he amazing? It. He heard it. He had so much experience. that when he wrote two notes on paper, he knew what they sounded like. Mm. You know? Fascinating. You know, there was another composer who completely lost his hearing, and that is Betsy Smetana, who wrote The Bartered Bride, wrote The Moldau, uh, you know, very, very famous pieces. But... Uh, his deafness was a little bit different. I mean, Beethoven was gradual, gradual. Smetana woke up in the morning on October 20th, 1874, completely deaf. And for the rest of his life, he continued to compose. He wrote three operas. He wrote the whole cycle of my country. Uh, and But Beethoven went into a world of silence. But mm. Smetana was... was constantly heard rushing and screaming and things in his ears, and he ends up in an insane asylum, and he died mm-hmm. there. Mm. But the, no, the, the fact being that you can compose if you're deaf. You would not be able probably to sculpt if you were blind. Right. right. Interesting. You know. How interesting. Um, we have a few minutes to break. I want to ask you this question about parents mm-hmm. and children. 
if if a parent would love their child to be musical, for example, is that something oh, innate, or do you think? Quote. <laughs> okay, so so is that something that we we teach and we guide our children, or is it innate already in our children? What would you advise a parent? I'm going to tell you what Zoltan, and you can see this interview actually on YouTube with Zoltan Kodai. Uh, <clears throat> in the University of Santa California someplace. It's in English. You can see it. So the interviewer asks, when should a child be exposed to classical music? Yes. You know, to good music. And Kodai says, well, I used to say nine months before his birth. Right. But now mm-hmm. I say... Nine months before the mother's birth. Oh, wow. 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 You know, what a... You know, because, you know, good music, you know, there's so much bad music around that is so much more, uh, I don't even want to say listenable. I don't know what I want to say. You know the kind of music I'm talking about, pop mm-hmm. music and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think classical music is a cultivated taste like champagne or like yes. beer or, you know. I agree with you. Yes. So, oh, right from the beginning, right from the beginning, you know. Isn't that amazing? Yes, well, I remember years ago, I remember meeting a woman and she was expecting and she was listening to classical music all the time, putting it near her, you know, near mm. the womb. I mean, you know, near the stomach uh, area yeah. so that the child would pick it up. Great. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, amazing. All right, well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to hear another piece from okay. Stephen Lawrence Kramer and his conducting. And um, just want to share with you, if you'd like to hear or watch uh, his performances, you can go on to YouTube and look up Stephen Lawrence Kramer, but it's spelled differently. It's S-T-E-P-H-E-N, and Lawrence is L-A-U-R-E-N-C-A, and Kramer is <clears throat> K. Oh, C-E. Sorry. L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E. I knew that. I just said it wrong. I know. And then Kramer is K. K K-R-A-M-E-R. And uh, yes, I'm very happy to have Stephen on the program. He's a worldwide famous conductor. And he also uh, lives in Rome, has traveled all over the world. And we'll talk more about that when we come back. I went to high school with Stephen. We were in the same musical classes together in high school. And um, it's, it's nice to reunite with you. And to get all this amazing musical education and awareness. You it know, certainly it's, uh, is. you got to come to Rome and see me. Oh, I know. I've been talking about that now for three years. Yeah, yeah. I've been saying, <laughs> I know. I write to him like every six months and go, Stephen, it's on my bucket list. And Stephen writes back and That's goes, right. okay, okay, when are you coming? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, but the only way I'm coming is you have to conduct. You have to find a okay. place so I can hear you conduct. All right. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Uh, all right, we'll take a quick break. You're listening to the okay. Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert Alex Fullick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment and community for the aftermath, emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone, and we are back, and we are with Stephen Lawrence Kramer, who is a conductor and a pianist. He studied piano, composition, viola, 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 no, am I saying that right, Stephen? Viola, thank you. Viola. Okay, and conducting in Vienna. He then went on to continue his conducting studies with master artists in Vienna, Hanover, Paris, and Munich. He's gone to Korea 35 times, and he's conducted for multiple concerts on television for organizations He's accompanied numerous recitals. He's hold, held master classes for conductors and singers and pianists all around the world. And I know Stephen because I went to high school with him. We're both from West Hartford, Connecticut. And we were in choir together and uh, became good friends in high school. And so it's just great. It's great to reunite again. So we're going to play another piece of uh, that you conducted, Stephen, and then you can explain it to us. Okay, Matt? Thank you. 
Wow. Okay, Stephen, that one's heavy. Explain yes, that one that to is, us. Well, only the beginning is heavy. It gets very light because Martin, who was one of these composers that makes me very happy, he has such a rhythmic verve and a uh, grasp of unexpected harmonic progressions. And uh, Anyway, that's one of his last works, Bohuslav Martinu. That is his Variations on a Slovak song. And that is my son, Alexander, playing the cello. Wow. And I'm accompanying him from a, a recital at the University of Georgia. It must be 15 years ago. But the whole recital is on YouTube. Hmm. And why did you pick that piece to play today? Why? Uh, because I like it. I like <laughs> I like the way the performance came out. Yeah. And I yeah. also think, uh, you know, it's a piece that nobody knows. Yeah, like I haven't heard exposure it. To, you, know, you know, every day since the lockdown, I have been sending every morning a piece of music to my students in three different schools. Mm. And I told them the very first day, this must have been March 8th, as long as we're on this lockdown, now we're closed, I'm going to every day send you a piece of music that has enriched my life that I have lived with all these years that you probably wouldn't, I didn't say this, but that you probably wouldn't think to listen to or wouldn't know of its existence if it weren't for me. I didn't mm. say those last words. And every morning, <laughs> Go ahead. every morning since March 8th, I send these things out. Yeah, isn't that great? Uh, and I, I mentioned it because yesterday was a check day. And I sent, uh, because the day before, I had sent something by Smetana and something by Dvorak. So yesterday, I continued and sent something by Janacek and something by Martinu, and I sent the video of, this, of these variations. That's why, it's on my, that's why I started to mention this. Yeah, it's wonderful. All right, share with us like a peak experience you had in your work, you know, something that just was really meant so much to you that, you know, you like a peak experience. I'm sure you've had many, but pick one. Exactly. That's a very difficult question because, you know, any time I make music, it's a peak experience, whether it's, mm. you know, accompanying a singer or uh, an instrument or whether I'm standing in front of the orchestra uh, I, I really can't think of, you know, and I've met some very, very famous people. I, I accompanied master classes of Elizabeth Schwarzkopf and Hans Hotter and Walter Berry. And these, you know, a lot of people won't know who they are, but they were very, very famous at a time. Mm. Did, you ever, did you ever meet Yitzhak Perlman? No. Mm. He's, he was amazing. I've met Leonard Bernstein. I've met Karajan. Uh, mm. Wow. Uh, yeah. I met the great uh, Russian conductor Yevgeny Mravinsky mm. when I accompanied my... Well, th this was a peak experience, I think. Back in 1973, uh, at heart, there was a cello professor, Raya Garbusova, a Russian cellist, who came every week and gave lessons. She was from Chicago. 
and she heard me play. This is probably the peak experience of my life. Okay. She heard me play a company, one of her recitals, and she said, my God, the way you play, you should be conductor. Wow. And that's how, that's how the whole thing started. And she said, so I said, how do you start? And she said, why don't you go to the Monteur Conducting School in Hancock, Maine? So that's what I did. The summer of 1973, I went to Hancock, and a whole world opened for me. Mm. And you Uh, want to know something? And then I followed the the professor. When you say the summer of 73? And I went with him on a tour of Russia. Wow. And that's where I met Bravinsky. I mean, these are names that people that met him. I had never heard of him when I met him. But afterward, I thought, my God, I met the great Bravinsky, who was the conductor of the Leningrad Philharmonic. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? It was Leningrad then. I think that was probably the peak experience of my life because that was when everything changed. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. It's interesting when you said how that all changed in the summer of 73, because that's when my mm-hmm. daughter was born. And that, really? that exact, yeah, yeah, I think that's so interesting. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So what would you like to leave our listeners with today about music, uh, about music in general? We've got a couple minutes left. What would be your message to our listeners? Music is the greatest gift that we humans have. I don't know if it comes from God, I don't know where it comes from, but it is a, it's the language of the emotions. Yes, yes. I just think that there is nothing to compare it with, not visual art, not uh, literature, not theater, not dance, I don't think, I mean, all great arts, but I don't think anything to compare to music which goes directly to the emotions without any mediary. There don't have to be words. Um, And it's a mystery. It's a mystery. You know, I'm always fascinated by the idea of melody. To me, melody is the most mysterious thing in music. We only have 12 notes. Why does a certain combination of intervals and notes just get to our hearts and others, you know, mm-hmm. nothing? Mm-hmm. I think that's but, a And that's mystery. different for different people, right? Because something it's could affect you. Different people, one but way. I think there would be a general consensus. You've read Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, haven't you? I don't know. I may have. You've never I read that? I don't think so. What's I the name of it again? Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Oh, yes, yes, years ago. Yes. yes. Okay, you have to read it because the whole book is about quality. What makes something better than something else? You know, what gives something quality? You know, why is classical music greater than rap music? I mean, there must be some reason. Right. You know? All right, Stephen, we're going to have to close. If you want to say okay. like another half a sentence, go ahead. I'm getting into it. I know. It's so wonderful to have you on the program. I mean, really is. And again, folks, please look up, go to YouTube and look up Stephen Lawrence Kramer, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-L-A-U-R-E-N-C-E, Kramer, K-R-A-M-E-R, and you'll hear many concerts that he's conducted over the years uh, worldwide. <laughs> Thank you so much, Stephen. Stay on the line okay, for a minute. Okay, Patricia. 
All right. Stay on for a second. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true and stay healthy during these times if you're listening now during COVID-19. You can find me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. You can write to me, Patricia, at patriciaraskin.com, and I'll put you on my newsletter list so you can see all these wonderful guests. And if you want to put together your own show or podcast, contact me. I know how to do it. (laughs) All right, folks, have a wonderful week. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.